Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you, Brother Larson, for your presentation. Well done, very well done. Amen. Our board, when we talked about this, I'm just going to squeal on them. Brother Mike Meyer said in the board meeting, he said, do not ever rob the people of a chance to give. That was a word of wisdom. So if you think we're talking about money too much, maybe you got a problem with it. I don't know. But we want to give you an opportunity. And and while we're there, thanks for that story you told too that put you over time, by the way. But since you told it, thank you so much for your faithfulness to our foreign missionaries and our home missionaries every month. We, it seems like we make a lifetime commitment to them. Thank you for your faithfulness. Because if you didn't do that, you know where the money would come from? It'd come from the general fund. So thank you for your faithfulness. Joshua chapter nine and verse three. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai. They did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks from off their donkeys and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clothed upon their feet and old garments upon them. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua on the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. Let's enter into an agreement. We're afraid of you and your God. And we're from a long ways off. We would be no threat. So give us a covenant that says that you will not go to war with us. Take a look at how we are dressed and what we bring with us. We're from a long way off. And verse 14 says, And the men took of their victuals, and they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They looked at the situation. They came to a conclusion. These people are no threat to us. They couldn't possibly be our enemies. We don't even need to pray about it. We're just gonna sign an agreement. And they agreed with their enemies based only upon what they saw. You can never go wrong by doing right. You can never go wrong by doing right. You may be seated. Things are not always as they appear. Joshua made a mistake. He did not seek after counsel. He made a decision that was wrong. But he gave his word. And when you give your word to somebody, you need to keep it. Can I get an amen? It may cost you. But if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. If you shake hands with somebody and you say, we're agreed, 
You need to follow through on it. Doing what is right is never easy. It may not be the easy way. It may not be the popular way. It may not even be the appreciated way. But it is the right way. There's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. Micah chapter six and verse eight says, he has showed me, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee? Three things, do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. These things are not easy, popular or appreciated. You may take a look at your situation and say, there's a double standard here. One for God's people and one for the godless. And it's true. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a time where God will balance the scales of justice. There will be a reckoning and there will be a rewarding. And you can never do wrong by doing what is right. I know you've heard it before, but I'm gonna mention it again. My father taught my brother and sister and I a very valuable lesson about his word when one day he wanted to sell a green lawn boy. You remember that ugly green lawnmower that we had? It was a terrible looking mower, but it ran good. And my father wanted to sell it and so he put it out in the front yard and he put a sign on it and said he wanted $25 for it. Not too long after that on a Saturday morning, a neighbor came over and said, I'd like to buy that lawnmower and I'm willing to give you $25 for it. My father said, if you give me $25 for it, it's sold. He stuck out his hand. And before the man shook hands with my dad, he said, but there's one thing. I can't pay you for it right now. I can come back later today after I go to the bank and get the money and I'll pay you for it then as long as we have a deal. And my dad said, if you say you're gonna do something, I trust you to do it. And he stuck out his hand, they shook hands on the deal and it was a done deal. But before the man could come back from the bank with his $25 to give my dad for the mower, another neighbor came over. The lawnmower hadn't been taken off of the front of the yard yet. And, and, and he came and he said, hey, I saw that lawnmower out in front of your yard. I, I really like that brand of lawnmower. I'd like to buy that lawnmower from you. He said, well, I already sold it. He said, you sold it? He said, how come it's here? He said, well, the man said he had to go to the bank and get the money and he'd be back a little later. And he said, I'll give you twice what you're asking. I'll give you $50 that more if you'll sell it to me right now. I'll pull the money out of my pocket and give it to you right now. Now my dad really could have used the extra $25. I can assure you of that. But he said, no sir. And there we were. I think Steve might have been there too. We were right there when my dad said that to the man. He said, when I give my word, I keep my word. That was the end of the conversation. He took the $25 for the more and he gave us a lesson that we will never forget. And it only cost him $25 and made a difference in our lives. If you make a deal with somebody, 
you don't go back on your deal. You keep your word. You'll never go wrong by doing right. Now fear can keep some people from doing the right thing. I'd like to give you this example. First Samuel chapter 17. How many of you ever heard of David and Goliath? Let me take you back to David and Goliath for just a minute. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 10. This is what Goliath said. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Now we have the advantage of hindsight in the 21st century. So let me make sure you understand what's happening here. The Philistines are the sworn enemy of Israel. You remember Samson? Sworn enemy of Israel. And one man from this Philistine army is a large man known as Goliath. And he's a great warrior, but he's only one man. And this one man stands before Israel and says, look, instead of lots of us getting killed in battle, I will represent the Philistines in battle. You give me one man to fight with me. If your man beats me, all of us as Philistines will be your servants. But if I beat him, then you'll be our servants. Let me, let me share something with you that's very important. Satan has no right to dictate to the children of God what the terms are. Why do you make deals with somebody that you don't have to make deals with? All you have to say, this is all Israel had to say is, not interested in your deal. We're gonna take you on and we'll start with you. You're the first of the Philistines that's going to die. And if it takes 10 of us, then it takes 10 of us. But we're not accepting your terms. Instead, they thought about what he said. They talked it over. And you know what Goliath did? And if you read the scripture carefully, you'll learn something about the enemy that you're going to face this afternoon. The enemy you're gonna face this afternoon doesn't have any new tactics. He uses the same ones over and over again because they are so effective. And here's what Goliath did. Goliath stood before the children of Israel every day for 40 consecutive days and gave the same speech every day. He never changed a word in his speech. And after a while, they were so intimidated and so afraid that an entire nation hid behind rocks for fear of one man. One man had them all hiding behind rocks because the only voice, this is what you gotta get, the only voice that they were listening to was the voice of their enemy. And they were afraid. God never has used the tactic of fear. Satan always has. God has always used the approach of love 
And Satan has always used the approach of hate. God proclaimed to be the prince of peace and Satan uses fear. We need to have another voice. We need to have somebody that will stand up to the Goliaths of this world and speak against him what is truth and what is prophetic from God. Watch this. 1 Samuel 17, 44. And the Philistine spoke again and said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. But here's the voice. Finally, somebody speaks to Goliath. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give your carcass to the host of the Philistines this day under the fowl of the air, to the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly, all those people hiding behind the rocks will know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and a spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. A different voice after 40 days finally spoke up and said what everybody wanted to say but didn't have the courage to say it just from a little shepherd boy. Where's our voice today? Are we the Israelites that hide behind the rocks and listen to all the fearful things that we're hearing in the world today and say, there's nothing we can do about it? I don't think so. I believe there are still patriarchs. I believe there are still patriots. I believe that there are still prophets. I believe that there are still Christians. And there are enough of us that we would be heard if we would come out from behind the rocks and speak up. I want to take you back to 1988. I want to take you to a general conference. One of the greatest presidents that America ever had was President Reagan and he addressed us as ministers in 88, and I think it fits today. So, Sister Hickey, if you'll give us that clip, please. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. It is a wonderful opportunity for me to address you at your 64th annual conference and join you in prayer for God's favor upon our great nation. And may all of us continue to strive with all of our might and spiritual power to keep America free and at peace. The Bible is a wellspring of wisdom and guidance for all, and I know the central role it plays in all your deliberations and worship at this conference. The Bible stresses the importance of family prayer, family participation in the house of God, and family unity. The family that works together as a harmonious unit shows the world that the family that prays together stays together. 
As president, I've attempted to restore prayer in our public schools. It is of utmost importance that the church continue to espouse this cause. The day a nation does not nourish its children on spiritual things is the day that nation begins its decline. Mm. Prayer is a basic for strength and spiritual power. Without it, we become weak and misdirected. It's also so refreshing for me to know that good people of the United Pentecostal Church are assisting in the struggle against abortion. You are taking a strong stand to protect the right to life for the unborn. It was also through the efforts of the United Pentecostal Church and others that the Siberian Seven were given the privilege of coming to freedom and to this country. We must not stop our efforts to seek freedom for other Pentecostal believers in the Soviet Union and for all those under oppression. Your kind of courageous loyalty to the cause of human rights has helped at every turn. And thanks to the United Pentecostal Church, Prudencio Baltadano had the opportunity to be a free man, to pursue his ministry without fear of death or mistreatment. I count the eight years I've spent as President of the United States to have been a great privilege. But the best days are ahead for this great country if we can continue to work together. May each of you fulfill your call as a preacher of the gospel. May you continue to express your compassion to the downtrodden and the forgotten. And may your inspired efforts at promoting religious liberty in all countries for all people bear fruit. With best wishes to the General Superintendent Nathaniel A. Ershon and the General Secretary Cleveland M. Beckton, to all the officials, leaders, pastors, and ministers, Nancy and I send our respect. That's fine. Close enough to the end. Thank you. I think you got the point. <laughs> Praise God. I want to say something to you uh, to just kind of amen what our former president said. On Tuesday of this week, it will be a very, very important day in the state of Wisconsin. Very important. And we have a voice. And that voice votes. Now, I've seen the commercials and so have you. Let me tell you what I believe this election is about. It's about morality. It's about morality. If you asked maybe the average person in the state of Wisconsin, what's the most important thing to you? They might tell you the economy. I don't believe that the economy is the most important thing that's going on in the state of Wisconsin or in the United States of America. I believe the most important thing that's going on right now is that Goliath is barking out orders and offering challenges and that the Christians of America and the state of Wisconsin need to stand up and say, enough already. We are voting our conscience, we are voting our morals, we are voting for biblical principles. We will not back down. We will not be intimidated by your size, by the amount of money, by the media, by popularity. 
We are concerned about our nation and about our state. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. We stand for what is right. And we reject that which is wrong. And we will vote. And we will be heard. We will be heard. And if we will be the Davids of the 21st century, when Goliath comes down and his head comes off with his own spear, all the people that are behind the rocks will come out and chase the Philistines. Philistines never keep their word anyhow. They don't keep their word. What did the Philistines say? If you beat us, we'll be your servants. Well, we beat you. And you're running. And you're not serving. You can't believe a word that Satan says. But you know what you can believe? You can believe the word of God. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And we know what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be, and it's high time that we stand up, speak up, and do what is right, even if it's not popular, even if it's not convenient, even if we're rejected by some. They that be for us are more than they that be against us. And if God be for us, who can stand against us? Who can stand against us? So I want you to know that it is vitally important. I remembered this morning on my walk, the thought popped into my head. I remembered one presidential candidate who will remain anonymous, who said these words in his campaign and kept saying them over and over and over again. Are you better off than you were four years ago? He made that a big part of his campaign. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Let me ask you that as a Wisconsinite. Are you better off than you were four years ago by the people that are now in office? I believe you are. Are you better off by the people that are in office in the government or even as your president than you were four years ago. I believe you are not. So then you ought to vote accordingly. But the election that we need to be concerned about right now, right now, takes place on Tuesday. Do not fall into the trap of, well, we think this guy's gonna be elected. It's, you know, he's got seven points. I learned that lesson in the last presidential election. People took it easy and said, oh, you know, righteousness will prevail and I'm not needed. No, every one of us is needed. Every one of us. And I hope and I pray that every one of you will go to the polls and vote for the party that best represents morality in America and in the state of Wisconsin. Praise God. That is a political statement from a biblical perspective. I know how you feel about abortion. 
I know how you feel about gay marriage because that's what I preach. And I know you're, you believe that or you wouldn't be here. We better stand up. You'll never go wrong by doing right. Let me give you this verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. We look not at the things which are seen. You'll never go wrong by doing right. Now let's look at the word never. Never is a long time. But 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let me tell you what's happening in our country right now. There's a spiritual battle going on. And it wears the mask of economy and politics and all these other things that we're talking about. But it's really a spiritual battle, folks. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's why President Reagan talked about praying together and staying together and praised the Christians. We can bring this country back we can bring this country back if we stand up and are heard and believe that God will back our play. God's waiting for us, folks. I need to do my part. I can, I'm sure God will do his, but I need to do my part. Let me conclude with this. When I was, I, I'll, I'll take a lesson from Brother Larson today. I'll conclude with a, with a story. Really, this is, a, this is a joke because I've got you all tightened up now and I need to loosen you up a little bit. So I'll tell you a little joke. The joke is this, that a senator died and he met Peter. And Peter said to him, uh, we don't get many years here. He said, but since you're here, he said, I, I should let you, uh, let you make your own choice. Do you want to go to heaven or would you like to go to hell? Well, he said, I want to go to heaven. He said, okay, well, he said, that's good. He said, but, uh, but God has changed the rules for one day. And, oh, yeah, what's the rule now? He said, well, you, you have to spend 24 hours in each place. 24 hours in hell, 24 hours in heaven, and then you can make your final decision. He said, I don't want to go to hell. He said, I've already made my decision. I want to go to heaven. And Peter said, you're not listening. You have to go to hell. So he said, all right. So he opened the door for hell. And when he opened the door, here was this beautiful golf course. I mean, it was just flowers everywhere, beautiful weather. All of his friends were there. Why, even the devil was a nice guy. Patting him on the back, aren't you glad you're here? Man, this is a great place. Eat all you want, enjoy yourself. And he did that for 24 hours. And then Peter came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, time's up. You have to leave. Took him out. He said, now I'm gonna put you in heaven. And he threw him up into the clouds and he floated from one cloud to another cloud and played a harp or whatever he thought that he was going to be doing up in heaven and he did that for 24 hours and then Peter came back and tapped him on the shoulder. Said your 24 hours are up. Now you have to make a choice. 
And the senator said, well, you know, 24 hours ago, if you'd have asked me that, I'd have said, I wanted to go to heaven, but now I'd prefer to go to hell. And Peter said, and so be it. And he took him to the door and opened up the door and pushed him in. And hell was everything that you and I believe it was. And everything was completely different. Terrible, terrible place. And everybody was moaning and groaning. And the senator said, whoa, wait, wait, wait. As Satan walked up to him, wait, wait, wait. What happened? Everything was so different yesterday. And the devil said to him, yesterday we were campaigning. Today you voted. Let's stand together. I want you to know Satan and the world are campaigning for your soul. But you will never go wrong by doing what is right. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Jesus, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for Micah 6 and 8 for people that will still do justly, love mercy, and are willing to walk. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.